I'm Joel's mom, and I'm not too happy that he and his friend Eric use vulgarities sometimes. But as a feminist, I see that they are speaking from the heart and trying to become more enlightened men. Belt. A two-man memoir. I think of all the animals, peacocks <laughs> are the biggest assholes. Oh, yeah. But raccoons are not. I think of the raccoon as the victim of urban sprawl. Yes. Yeah. They were being furry with their bad posture, and they were just hanging out with yeah. their little ringy eyes. Yeah. And suddenly, man entered the forest. Man descended upon them. So when I was living in LA, and there's this little mountain there called Mount Washington that no one really knows. But at one point, it was like a hunting place. People like built these little hunting cabins there. And I, I, I moved into this little, little place that was at one point a hunting cabin. And I didn't know this, but apparently it was, it was built on this part of this little mountain that was directly across this tiny mountain road where there was a massive raccoon den. A raccoon den. Like a huge one, man. Like massive. Like tons and tons of raccoons were there. And they were pissed because like 40, 50 years ago, some houses started were built right on top of their yeah. fucking home. Well, that's why, that's why after you kill your raccoon or your bear, yeah. you go to the local taxidermist, right? Yeah. Get a head stuffed or maybe you just get a big old skin on your floor. Mm-hmm. What's that about? Doesn't it turn your little hunting lodge into sort of a, a hall of mirrors where yeah. you're constantly reminded of how ascendant you are over the animal kingdom? Right. So if we were more enlightened as a species, we would probably if we once we kill all these animals and we and then we go to the taxidermist who get and we pay him money or her money, probably usually dudes who then help us preserve those bodies and put it around our walls. And we're not having nightmares about all these animals, all these lives we've taken away. We feel proud. We invite people over and like, we tell stories about them. Like, Hey, look, look at what I've done. I am so strong and masculine with my mighty gun. And I have to be reminded of that every every second, every morning I wake up. Right. Because I will forget otherwise and think that, um, I'm not man enough. I wasn't stronger than the fucking raccoon. Who's like three or, you know, a million times shorter than me. With bad posture. Ba- with bad posture. And um, yes, probably warmer, has more a fur coat built in. Yeah. Um, but um, doesn't have a gun and is not trying to kill me, probably. Well, let me tell you this. If I were a hunter, I'd be so bad at it that I would come <laughs> home and I would have a big bucket of sidewalk chalk. And I would just draw pictures on the wall of all the animals that got away. Oh, that's good. That would be my equivalent of taxidermy. Yeah, it's like it's like... You know, early cave art, man. It's like, you I'll know. I'd be drawing some fucking hieroglyphs yeah, on the I, cave. Some bison, some bison. Some raccoons. Some raccoon. Maybe a roach. All the animals I could not kill. So I like to think of myself as someone who at least uh, tries to be like aware of that we're all connected in so part of the ecosystem. So you would want to be friends with the raccoons. So I, I looked at these raccoons. I didn't know when I moved in there. I have no pretense of being a hunter. I don't know how to shoot a gun. I just thought this would be a beautiful place to escape the fucking like traffic of all the cars and noise of LA while still being in this amazing city. And so I didn't know about the raccoons. I thought raccoons were cool looking. They have like nice, like, you know, um, 
like eye, like sort of like they have cool masks over their eyes. They're like I thought they were kind yeah, of like, like a little burglars. Yeah, like, like the, the hamburglar from yeah. the old McDonald's days, but not like a real burglar. Not someone like you're a friendly scared. burglar. A friendly burglar. Someone like a like some a burglar who robs somebody else, but not you. Right, or someone who who would like pretend to be a burglar at a costume party. Yeah, and like it just like has the air of being a burglar. And not actually being a burglar, which normally that kind of like, like pretending to be what you're not sort of annoys me. But if you're going to pretend to be a burglar, that's actually better than being a burglar. I, I my hat's off to the pretend burglars out there. This is, <laughs> the a, burglar this is one good use of inauthenticity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pret- if you pretend to be a serial killer, <laughs> yeah, that's it's better okay. Than, it's better than, really not. it's better to, it's, I would say it is better to pretend to be a serial killer than to be a serial killer. I don't think that's a hard leap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's that's a that's a point we need to explore any further. Yeah, it's it's that's a, a self evident truth. A self evident truth. So I looked at this um, this pretend this 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 creature that looked like a pretend burglar, and I was like, that's that's sort of funny, you know. I and, wish he would come to my party. Yeah, and so apparently the rec- I, that gaze that exchange between me and one of the raccoons early on was like, okay, that's cool. We're, we can be friends. Like I like you. You're a pretend burglar. And the guy was like, that guy's not trying to eat me, so that's all right. And so he got the word out, and they started coming out more and more and more of them. And I was like, well, wait a second, there's a lot of these fuckers now. And like, so if there's one raccoon, if there's one pretend burglar, it's sort of funny. But if there's like a thousand of them, maybe it's annoying. Is that true? What are the numbers? Where when, when, what is the what is the tipping point? <laughs> yeah, what is what is the for tipping a pretend point? burglar to yeah. move from being a cool guy you'd hang out with a party? Yeah, to to a fucking herd yeah. of, of dangerous phonies, right? Because if you were surrounded by everyone who was like pretending to be a burglar dressed up as raccoon, that would become annoying. Well, if everyone is pretending to be a burglar, the distinction between pretend burglar <laughs> and non-pretend burglar goes away. That's true. So you don't really know what the fuck is what, right? It's like that and this is really what happened. That is what happened. Okay, so did I, they start stealing stuff? Okay, here's what. So yes, they did. Okay, so I'm there. First of all, I'm all alone. I'm hunting, but not for raccoons. I'm hunting for someone who would have the patience to live with me to marry me. Okay. Oh, that is <laughs> literally. I was like all alone yeah, in yeah. the in the little mountain. And then surrounded by raccoons, I, I this like sounds them. like the beginning of a lifetime movie. This is like a lifetime movie, and like <laughs> the man I, was hunting for love. I was hunting for love. I didn't know where to find it, and I was surrounded by raccoons. And I was getting my 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 home ready to try to convince someone that this would be a place sprucing up the cave, sprucing up to, the cave, to bring home the woman, to bring home the woman, to show her that I am like someone worthy of like settling down with and that I will protect her from anything like real robbers, but it's okay to be surrounded by fake robbers. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's what most women look for in a mate. Exactly. Like not scared of fake robbers being intellectually aware enough that you know where this, the fake robbers are and not to be, to do anything. But then when you see a real robber to know what to do. It's like Do being you have a quarterback. A match.com? <laughs> I should use that. <laughs> it's like being a quarterback, right, man? Like you have to know where the real danger is. I think there's a connection. I think when you're the quarterback, the real danger is everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are no fake robbers. Everyone is trying to kill I, you. I feel like everybody's trying to kill me all the time. Yeah. Even now. That's true. Yeah. All right. So listen, man. I'm like, I'm dealing with these pretend raccoons. I'm getting my place ready. Yeah. But you know what else? So I was like, I wasn't going to touch those raccoons. Like, those guys are cool. But I'm, yeah. like, planting stuff. I'm using, like, drip irrigation. I'm, like, trying to make, you know, being, like, eco-sensitive, trying to, like, not take up too much water, all this stuff. 
But I also was like, I don't want rats in my home. No woman's going to want to live with me with rats. And I didn't want to live with rats. Rats fucking scare me. Okay. Because, you know, bubonic plague and all that shit. And like, I didn't want, I didn't want the bubonic plague. And that's not rational. It's not fair. But no, I, women, I, I, women, I don't, women don't dig the bubonic plague. They don't dig the bubonic plague. <laughs> I don't dig the bubonic plague. I mean, you can have like a cold, but you can't have bubonic plague. Yeah. So, so the rats are vermin, right? So, so, so yeah. So rats are vermin. They're like pests. Yeah. Like roaches or mm-hmm. mice yeah. or mosquitoes. Yeah. Whereas raccoons are generally not vermin. They're not vermin. So what's the difference? You could say vermin is a creature that constantly threatens our sense of ascendancy mm-hmm. that could possibly harm us or irritate us, whereas non-vermin just pretends to be a burglar and leaves us alone. Right. So the vermin is anyone who bothers us. So the, the other animals we allow to live, assuming as long as they don't our, fuck with us, they don't fuck with us. So that's it. Vermin that's it. is an animal who will fuck with us. Right. Right, because the rats were like, fuck you. We're, <laughs> we're going to ma- eat your food. Yeah. We're, we're going to gnaw your furniture. Yeah, we could give you the plague. We could give you the plague. If we, we want to. If we fucking want to, we'll give you the plague. We will yeah. give you the plague. So they're not scared of us, but we're at war with them. Yeah. We're trying to kill them. And then... Well, maybe for good reason. We don't want the plague. Here's Lori Gruen, William Griffin Professor of Philosophy at Wesleyan University. So there is a lot of talk, um, and it's important that it's been going on for a while about the rights of other animals. Um, and there's always a question about what that means, whether that means that raccoons are going to be able to vote or whether raccoons are going to be able to drive or whether raccoons are going to be able to get, you know, Obamacare or they have a right of that sort. And nobody ever means that when they talk about animal rights. What they're talking about and this is how I like to think about it, is that these other animals have legitimate moral claims or ethical claims on us. And what I mean by that is that when we talk about animal quote-unquote rights, we're saying that animals should not be interfered with in certain kinds of ways. That tends to be what rights stand for. Um, Rights tend to stand for both legal rights and moral rights tend to stand for claims that protect individuals against certain kinds of things or claims that allow individuals access to certain things. Um, And so when you think about other animals like raccoons or dogs or cats or elephants or chimpanzees, any other animals really, um, they, the rights claim tends to be, directed at the recognition of these other animals as beings who can be harmed, who have a welfare and a well-being, that have their own lives to live, that have maybe sometimes families. Raccoons certainly have families. But the idea of rights is an idea that is designed to, in some sense, put these other animals into the sphere of moral concern. So I don't know, man. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm thinking about all, all this right, stuff. So, so, so yeah. you're, you're dealing with the rats. They're yeah. vermin. You want to kill them. So, and I was, you know, yeah. I hired this guy who put in these traps. I sealed areas beneath the house. I was like, okay, the rats are okay. There was like these orange trees. The, the, you can have those oranges. 
That's all right. Rats it's not, eat it's, oranges? Yeah, dude. I saw this rat. It was fucking huge. It had this whole orange that was as big, a big orange. The citrus rat. So I was like, I was okay with that. I you know, already got to kill the rats. I already got to kill the rats. Seal the house. I was like, okay, rats outside. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Traps are only inside or like underneath the house. Seal off the bottom of the house from the outside. Oh, it's a model. Of, it's a Freudian model of self. Oh, yeah. Right? You're creating your little self-contained ego. Yeah. Which is a world that is purely knowable and controllable. Yeah. And then you sort of push everything you don't want out. Yeah. Into the unconscious or the unknown. Is that what a home is? That's sort of what a home is, isn't it? Oh, the home is an extension of the ego. That's good. That's really good. That's you don't hear that. That was pretty, pretty deep. Eric, man. Eric, Eric Wilson just I said some that good shit stuff. all the time. That's that was nothing. good stuff. That was that was that was <laughs> oh, a good come one, on, man. That was good. All right, so it's true. You know, the home is an area that you can control, and we spend money and we spend a lot of effort trying to control it. And having the, the something invade it, I think that's the other part of it. The vermin. It's very challenging. It challenges our 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 safe place. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So I didn't want that. Okay, I wanted a safe place. And then I was like, I need I want a safe place that will be compelling for someone else to join me in it. And so I planted all these plants, but then and then eventually Allison was like, okay, I'll hang with this guy, I'll move in, we'll have a baby with him, and then another one. And then we had this baby, but the raccoons started they started coming. They, they were like they smelled blood. They smelled blood. There was like this guy <laughs> hey, there's a tiny critter in here that can't fight back. Yeah. There's a kind of critter who can't come back. This guy seemed to like us. You know, he thought we were cute. We thought he liked our burglar masks. And like, now I'm going to tell all my friends. And they started coming. They started ripping up the drip irrigation lines. They started breaking into the barriers underneath the house. They started pulling metal off and screws out. And they started, they started fucking underneath the house. It, let me tell you guys something. If you ever hear two raccoons fucking underneath your house, it sounds like two giant men in body armor <laughs> from the Middle Ages going at it, either wrestling. It is loud as fuck. It is so loud and it's sort of violent. And it was, but also sort of beautiful. More raccoons are going to come, you know? And I was like, yeah. but when that started happening, they started ripping all this stuff off. I was like, this is not okay. Okay. I was like, I need to show that I'm a man that I can protect you my need child. To kill the knights. I need, to, armor I, I, need to attack, I need to attack the knights who are having splendid night. The fucking night sex. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was at night and it was keeping me up. And that, you know, so I was like, this is yeah, not okay. You were okay. trying to have your, have your own human sex. Which I was trying is, to have actual. Which is softer hum- and, yeah. and, and, and quieter yeah. and probably more boring than the raccoon sex. Right. I mean, I hadn't even thought of the idea of wearing night armor. And then having sex at the same time. Did you ever watch the raccoons have sex for a pointer or two? I should have done that. <laughs> My life would be much better. Who, could, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe they fuck like champions. I, I'm positive that they do. Yeah. Because they lasted a really long time. They were really loud. And yeah. um, I mean, were, it, what looks like bad posture to us yeah. is really a capability for very strong thrusting to them. Exactly. I want to say something else about these raccoons, okay? So I was like, okay, this is loud, this is annoying. They're breaking stuff. They're killing plants. I don't like any of that. I put all this time trying to grow things, make life. Yeah. And, like, they're making life, but don't attack the life that I'm trying to create, too. There's enough space for both of us, yeah. raccoon. Yeah, there's all, you have your mecca. Yes, there's these three giant houses built right on top of your mecca. <laughs> Deal with it. Do, that Deal wasn't me. That wasn't my fault. That wasn't my fault. Those were those other guys across the street. Yeah, go get they, them. Go, go fuck get, under their house. Yeah, go fuck under their house. That was not fair. Yeah. It was not okay. It's not cool. And something else. So I understand the concept of not shitting in your home. 
Like, so if you if you don't have plumbing, you probably don't want to shit in your home. And if you are of a, of a mecca of raccoons, lots of raccoons, you probably don't want all the raccoons shitting where they're sleeping. I would, if I was a raccoon, I'd understand that. Does that, I mean, that makes sense, right? So you're saying if you're a raccoon, you would shit not where you sleep, but like a little way off. Right. But so they were shitting where they were sleeping. Well, they weren't. So they had their raccoon. I see. Mecca across the street. But so they, they would go on top of my roof right over my bed. Your house and, was a gigantic raccoon outhouse. Yes. The roof of our house right above the bed for me and my wife, Allie. And while our, you were fucking, while we were they fucking, were shitting they were on your shitting head. on my head. <laughs> and that was rude. Don't you think that's rude? You know what I'm hearing you say? That was fucking rude. These, I want, these raccoons are slowly inching their way to verminhood. They were. And it made me feel very... They're slowly shitting and fucking their way to They were to slowly shitting and fucking their way to verminhood. Here's Lori. Now, there's a number of animals that... Um, Sue Donaldson and Will Kimlicka in a book called Zooplish call liminal animals. Um, they're not domestic animals like our dogs and cats, and they're not completely wild animals. they like cheetahs or um, zebras. They're animals that are at the border of human uh, life, so they're animals like raccoons and like squirrels, crows probably, certainly a lot of mice. Um, and... The liminal animal, if you think of the raccoon as a liminal animal, um, that creates a whole variety of conflicts with humans, much more so than, and it's a different kind of conflict in a way than wild animals or domestic animals. And one of the things that I think is really tricky for thinking about how to have better relationships with um, those animals that are kind of live in human in the human world somewhat, but don't complete. They're not completely domesticated. Um, is that we have to really figure out how our human activities um, is negatively impacting their very ways of life, their very ways of being. Often, in the case of these animals that are like raccoons, liminal animals, we don't have the exact perfect ethical answer to any sort of problem. And that's true of all, a lot of our ecological engagement as well. We have to do the best we can, but there's no solution that's often without moral remainder. What I try to encourage is that people think um, as carefully and as relationally as they can about the other animals, that they don't just put their human interests above the interests of the other animals and the natural world. It's, that's what's led us to so many problems. And so I think thinking carefully and thoughtfully is going to help us to do the best we can do. So I was like, you know what? I feel bad about this. However. But there are too many things that have turned me against these raccoons. I felt bad. I wanted to be one with the raccoons. Yeah. But there were just so many of them. They were shitting on the roof. Yeah. So I called this guy up, this company, and they were like, yeah, we're going to take, we're going to trap your raccoons. We're going to take them away. And they did. They put up these traps, but they didn't do, they, it, it didn't work, man. Like they, they, they trapped a raccoon, but then this neighbor who's, you know, awesome. She's, she's a lover of the land. She likes animals. She freed, she climbed on top of her roof. She freed the raccoon when it was trapped. Then they would trap a raccoon. They bring him to the bottom of the hill. They just climb back up to the top of the hill. You didn't work what, at all. Do you know what a ball peen hammer is? <laughs> no. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't really know either, but I like I like to say ball peen hammer. But it's, it's a certain small kind of hammer that you might use if you were like dealing with with like minerals and gems, <laughs> like 
crack one up or something. It's a tiny, a tiny hammer. So I had a friend, oh, yeah. I had a friend who had, I do know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows what a ball peen hammer is. So I had a friend yeah. who was having a problem with squirrels um, oh. in his attic yeah. some time ago. And he too called an exterminator. Uh-huh. And the exterminator put all these traps up into the attic. And the traps would capture the squirrels and were supposed to kill the squirrels, but did not. So my friend would hear these these <laughs> these like squirrels trapped in the trap, kind of banging around Whoa. up in his attic, half dead. Did it make him feel guilty? Well, he went up there with a fucking ball peen hammer. Oh my god! And he finished them off. So that's savage. Well, is it or is it not? It, it's I mean, honest. These, these, it's made me more these honest. Squirrels were hurting. Yep, they were suffering. And so yep. he just went up and did a dirty job. Yep. Obviously, you were unable to do that. You lacked the fortitude. I lacked the my fortitude. My ball hammer friend. I lacked the fortitude. I can't even kill cockroaches. I asked my wife, Allison, to do it. So, you need a hammer. Do you have a hammer? I do have a hammer. It's probably not very big. I used to have a giant sledgehammer when I was that like making stuff with fire. I know, but I got rid of it. That yeah. was a fucking awesome hammer. That was like a, like a medieval weapon. I once used a lawnmower as a weapon. Yeah, tell me about that, man. What the fuck? <laughs> How do you turn a lawnmower into a weapon? Well, so I recall that um, when I was probably 14 years old, yeah. one summer day, I was taking a nap. And my brother, four years younger than I, came running into the house to wake me up. Okay. Said, Eric, 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 there's a copperhead out in the yard. I was mowing the grass and I ran over this copperhead. It's still alive. I don't know what to do. So well, I paint a picture of what a copperhead is because we're so distant from nature. We don't, most people don't even know what that is. I even, I don't, I vaguely know what a copperhead snake is. So tell us how big is it? What's well, it look like? Well, this copperhead was probably about, I would say two and a half feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, not, 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 not very wide. How wide? Like, wide, a little wider than a hot dog. So like, so from, so think, from, of, think, from of, think of your cock. Think of like an especially plump hot dog, two and a half feet long. And I know that one could easily make the move to the cock right now. And I yes. feel like that's what you're trying to do. I did. And you can, you can make that analogy yes. if you want to. And, and they're green with kind of a, 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 a brownish diamond shape mm-hmm. and a head that's shaped kind of like a diamond. Are they dangerous? Are they're they poisonous. They're very poisonous. Now, what I just said about how a copperhead looks, yeah. I totally kind of made up. because. <laughs> <laughs> Have you actually ever seen one? Well, that time I did, and I've okay. seen others, but I have a bad memory. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what true. I remember. Mm-hmm. So I remember I, I went out there, and sure enough, in the middle of our front yard was this copperhead squirming, obviously in agony, because the lawnmower blade had cut it open like Fuck. in the equivalent of what we might call the belly. Uh-huh. And it was a female, I assume. Because coming out of the belly were all these tiny, tiny little snakes, tiny baby copperheads. Shit. So birth and death, creation and destruction, a major archetypal moment. And then it's like they're dangerous, but it's like we want to, you know, some sharks are in danger of extinction. A real environmentalist would like, we need to protect the sharks. Well, that was not my thought at all. My, my, my thought was... How can I kill all these little fuckers? So I grabbed the lawnmower and ran it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over this little nest of snakes until I killed every last one of them. You were protecting your family. I was protecting my family, and also I was asserting my manhood yep. with the help of a machine, which is often the way that we assert our Because we're, we think we're better because we can make machines. Because we can make tools in, yeah. in ways that animals can't. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. My brother claims that I was not part of this experience at all. 
he claims that he ran over the snake and got my mom who came out and killed the other snakes. Furthermore, from what I gather, copperheads don't have babies out of their womb like a human. (laughs) So so probably it's this weird melding of reality and fantasy. Mm -hmm. But I think it gets at something deep and archetypal. It does. right? I mean, first of all, we can go into the whole snake issue with the Bible. That's pretty obvious. No reason to do that. Um, But this feeling that we fear nature because of its kind of wild fecundity. Right. I mean, animals have a kind of spontaneity and, and, and fecundity and fertility. They don't get neurotic. They don't have premature ejaculation. They might, they don't have, well, they might, they don't, they don't, they don't have the problems we have. They just are. And I think that we romanticize that, but also we fear that at the same time. So to show power over that is a way of establishing and emphasizing power. We probably, we think that they don't have neuroses or depression. That's, that's right. But we, they do right. feel, and we don't know. This is part of the whole thing about like the idea that we think we're better or we're in the top of the food chain because yeah. we're more intelligent or we feel more. But it's we don't know if that's true, and it might be a total construct that allows us the same way we constructed all kinds of things in relationship to race. You know, in mm-hmm. terms of like Native Americans, it allowed us to slaughter. You know, and it's, you know, like, so we slaughter animals because we think they're less than us. So, yeah, we might have a very narrow idea of intelligence. We, we, yeah. we, we talked about Descartes. Yeah. Uh, defined intelligence basically as the ability to reason. Um, connected to that would be self consciousness, the ability to think about thinking. Yeah. And, and probably also memory. Right. We tend to think that animals don't have these things. That's or right. maybe they do. Or maybe yeah. they just have ways of knowing that are totally different. That's right. right. And yeah, so Descartes talks about how the world is basically our oyster, right? So like, or that's the, you know, a phrase that we use now, you know, and like it's uh, it's theirs for our picking. Mm-hmm. And it's connected to the idea that, you know, we're, we're the primary thing. And it's, you know, but elephants remember whales are intelligent. We don't know. And there's different levels of intelligence trees communicate like i mean there's so many things that we just beginning to understand so there's all this hubris right well, and probably a lot of us don't want to understand right because, because it challenges our lives that's right it is hubris i mean descartes even said that only humans are have souls right animals don't have souls right they're machines the fact that we have a soul means we have a ghost in the machine that's where the phrase comes from so descartes believe animals can't even feel pain like that's we right feel pain. and we know that's false yeah and so, right, and that's really, and it's, it says so much about our culture. Like, if you look at the, the, a car, the way it's designed, it comes out of the horse and carriage, True. you know? And so, and it's, the car is just, the horse was, is, is considered as a machine, mm-hmm. you know, as a tool. Yeah. But it's not a tool. It feels, it, it, you know, it, and it, it, I'm sure, it, you know, a horse thinks in, in, to whatever degrees. Well, as I sit at this table and look at you across it, I see... Rene Descartes. <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> I see the cogito ergo sum yeah, so I dis- personified because you fucking went Descartes. I did. On the raccoons. Here's Lori. What we really need to do is start thinking about how these structures of um, norms about masculinity and norms about femininity can interfere with our engaging with um, each other 
and the rest of the natural world in ways that will make all of our relationships better and more harmonious. Um, I think a lot about empathy and empathy is one of those, um, I think of empathy as a, both an emotional and a cognitive or rational capacity, sort of a process of trying to work through complicated um, conflicts like the conflict with the raccoons, but to try to work through that in a way that recognizes both one's own um, positionality, your say, let's say you have this desire to protect your family from the raccoon invasion, but also to recognize the raccoons as having their own um, needs and interests and well-being and relationships. And so to try to figure out what it would mean to work the situation out in a different way. So I feel really bad about this, but I felt I was pushed and it was pushed based on, so I was pissed, but part of it was also I had to prove my manhood these constructs of manhood that I have to be strong, that I have to protect my turf, you know, I have to protect my turf. I have to protect my kid. I have to protect my wife. I have to show that I'm stronger than these other creatures, even yeah. though it was, the, it was their home first. I didn't know that, but it's their home first. So they were like, fuck you. So I was like, okay, I don't know how to shoot a gun. I'm going to get, I can't get a gun. I have, I'm a father. Guns terrify me. I have no idea how to do it. I don't believe in guns, but I was like, I'm going to get a BB gun. I got a fucking BB gun. Casuistry 101. It's like, I don't believe in guns at all, so I just get a small gun. Exactly. That won't kill them, but just hurt them a lot. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> so, I didn't commit all the way. No, you got it. Either you don't have a gun or you get a fucking shotgun. You're right. You don't half-ass it. I did. I half-assed it. I didn't know you that yet. You didn't tell me. We would have gone to the Walmart yeah. and gotten two double-barrel shotguns. Well, that's so you're, you're... And we would have destroyed every raccoon within a half mile of that, pla- that so, house. So... All right. I would not really. I know, but we would have, they would have been at least scared. They would have seen those guns and would have run away. So here's what happened. Cause I didn't know you. You didn't give me this advice. No, I got a BB gun. No. I, first of all, it's way too fucking easy to get a gun in this country. Obviously we go, we could go get a shotgun right now. I know it's so sick, man. What the fuck? So I went into a, you go to a sporting store. So you buy yeah. a basketball or a BB gun, like right next to each other. Well, BB guns can't hurt you. I used to get in BB guns all the fight when I was all the time when I was a kid. BB gun fights. I guess they can hurt your eyes. Yeah, I shot a man in the eye one time. Really? With oh, a BB yeah. gun? Oh fuck yeah. Could he still see? Yeah. How the hell do you do that? You're a liar. As, they're not nearly as dangerous as everybody says. Don't listen, to Eric. We would wear we would wear um, like um, uh, goggles. Oh, that well, that's would, different. Like safety goggles and like really thick coats. All right, so if you have that gear, that's fine. But, but one time the guy had his goggle off, and I hit him right on the side of his eye. And I thought for a second I'd put his eye out. That's really bad. But in fact, I hadn't. Right. I didn't care. I mean, I didn't like the guy anyway. He would have looked good in a patch. <laughs> do you it know, would, do you it know how to shoot? Helped, it would have helped him in life. I mean, think about it. If you're a fucking idiot loser, but suddenly you have an eye patch, you become kind of interesting. That's true. It's like a fake pirate. I was trying it's to It's like become, a fake robber. Being a fake pirate is not a bad thing to be. That's a more cliche than being a fake robber, though. A fake pirate is like a thing for a while. So if you had given him two... No, that was bad. Then he couldn't see at all. He just had to wear a blindfold. <laughs> Which he would, that be, would be, he would be a real blind man. That's not good. Pretending like he was a fake victim of a firing squad. I mean, you know, there's many, many blind people who live full lives. I'm not knocking that, but it's no, not exactly that, something that you want. You're not going to be improving someone's life by taking out their eyes. At least highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. No, I'm not buying it, man. <laughs> But one eye. I'm not really sure if I shot the guy or not. Just like I'm not sure if I killed the copperheads. All right, so let's get back to that because, like, so if you're not sure that you shot those 
that you ran over. <laughs> you didn't just like kill them. Down you mowed the them. You mowed them down like a mass murderer. Like I, a, I did. Like I like was a mass murderer. Of like the carp- like carp- carpet bombing. It was like carpet bombing. It's like the way I carpet it, bombed within an area two by two. It's, the, it's like the way the the United States attacks by hitting buttons and just wipes out whole areas. That's right. I was an evil warlord. You're an evil warlord. You're a contemporary evil warlord living that. I was it, Daniel Rumsfeld. You were Daniel Rumsfeld. I was Dick Cheney. You are. For, for two seconds. You were. And the idea of your mom becoming Dick Cheney was too threatening to you. Exactly. Just in the same way as too threatening for many men, for Hillary Clinton, who's going to have the same military industrial machine, but her carpet bombing instead of Rumsfeld was, was terrible. You had to be the carpet bomber. Yes, I did. <laughs> I want to be a carpet bomber. You are a carpet bomber. <laughs> yes. All right. Ten times yes. Ten times yes. All right. So we we just got back from Walmart. We got back we, from each, Walmart. Each of us now has a shotgun. So yes, in my mind, I'm with Eric. What would we have done? And remember this. I would have gotten a big ass lawnmower. <laughs> you would have gone inching the Mecca. I would have mowed them down. It would not have been a carpet bombing so much as a subterranean bombing. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so evil. Know, but it's, it's consistent. But it's consistent. That's the thing. That's what our society is. And so I that narrative was like, okay, I need to get a BB gun. I was too wimpy and I wanted to be an eco man. And <laughs> an eco man who an also man. destroys perfectly innocent animals. It was basically, but I also was like, I need to. You felt the tension that that many men feel between being the kind of alpha male and being sensitive to otherness. Yes. And I was like, I I want to, I'm trying to do a good thing with the water and the plants and all that. You keep saying that as if it was going to make me feel better about it. Well, I'm just trying to tell you the full picture, but that was a big part of it. And it was like the same, and I want, but I was like, if I'm not going to be the strong man here, then I'm not fulfilling my wife's vision of what a man is. I'll be the not weak man. I will be the, yeah, I don't want to be the weak man. I'm trying to be the weak man. (laughs) The non-weak man. I will be the, right, I won't be the strong man with the full, and just have the one teeny Weasley, like, um, bomb. Is that what you're going to teach your kids? Son, grow up and be the non-weak man. Yeah, be the non-weak man. Pretend, try a little bit to not be the weak man and then go back to being the, you know, the 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 tree hugger. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but tree hugging is, is strong. But I, so maybe this was a moment of weakness. And so I went up to the, I got my teeny right, weeny can I back up BB for just gun. a little bit? Yeah. Did you practice your marksmanship? No. You had, you ever shot one no, before? I had All no right. fucking idea. Okay. How well do you know how to shoot a gun? Uh, pretty well. Because you're going to be in West Point. Tell well, us more about what is involved about learning how to like, shoot a gun, and how the fuck did you learn it? Well, so growing up, I, I was a, a great connoisseur of the BB gun. Yeah. I had many air rifles, and it was a big part of my childhood. Okay. We would spend all day Saturday setting bottles up out in the woods and shooting them with BB guns. So I learned how to shoot that way. Um, then my dad had a shotgun, and he taught me how to shoot that out at my grandfather's house. I never Were le- you like immediately good? Like how, what's a lesson involved? Is he just like, here's a gun, son? Well, like, no, no. It's all about, you know, how, how to place the, the, the butt of the gun against your shoulder. Don't press it too hard. Don't make it too loose. Uh-huh. Um, how you relax right before you pull the trigger. What's that about? When you, well, I mean, if, if, if you're tense, you're going to be more likely to, to, when you pull the trigger, to jerk the gun up. So you can't have any conflict. You can't be like, I'm, you, like you need to feel fully that this is the right. I mean, thing there's to a do. real discipline to being a good shot. Yeah, you have to you sort of release your will to hit the target. Mm-hmm. If you try to hit the target, 
it's just like throwing a basketball or throwing a baseball or shooting a basketball. If you try too hard to make the ball go where you want to, it won't go. You just kind of have to let instinct take over. So there's no... But it takes a long time to get there. You have to practice a lot. Wait a second. Okay, two things, okay, man? So first of all, so so the idea of like inner conflict about that action, Mm -hmm. you can't have that. No. I don't so that's think so. so that's huge. So like so the the tension that I'm describing right now, like that was totally built in me there, and like I I, I want that tension. So that means there's no way I could get a good shot. No way you're gonna hit the target. Right. Yeah. Okay. You can't be conflicted. You can't be conflicted. And then the second thing, you threw out this idea of instinct. Yeah. I'm not gonna let that slide. Yeah. I so, didn't say that in a very rigorous way. But, I know but that, we, but, but we, we should explore that because mm-hmm. that's like because we think that right guys mm-hmm. think that like instinctually. We're hunters, we're mm-hmm. strong, we kill the other animals, we're the hunt hunters, the women are the gatherers. But that's just a myth, right? It I mean, is a myth. Well, I mean, one could say that's just a construct. It is. That perpetuates our own patriarchy. Right, but it's so deep in us. I mean, mm-hmm. we have all these narratives that are so deep in me and you too, and we're doing the show because even as we're deconstructing it all, it's still fucking in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing, actually. It, it and is. like in the act of us actually doing that, that com- that comes out because we feel that. And I felt that too. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten the fucking BB gun. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really and and of course maybe there is some of our biological wiring. Maybe that I mean it's 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 got it's not one or the other, right? It's it's but both. not literally with a gun because mm-hmm. there were men before there were guns. Mm-hmm. But maybe the idea well, of Well, the gun like, would be like any, any weapon, right? Any a weapon. A club, a spear, an yeah, arrow, or, right. or, or a knife. Yeah, maybe that's in there. Maybe it is. And is it in there more in men than in women? It sure is fun to watch those bottles shatter when I, when I hit, would hit them with my BB. Right. So that kind, of, that kind of pleasure. And it's not binary. It's not like men or women. But I don't know. It's all confusing. But there were gender. I felt the gender expectations as the dad, yeah. as the husband. Yes, there. You didn't like, say to your You didn't say, Allie, will you go get the BB gun? Right. and shoot the raccoons. Although even now she takes that. She the, kills. She, the, she, she kills kill the, the roaches. roaches, and she teases me about it. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah, you know. But I have to be the man, the quote man, in other many other ways. Mm-hmm. But like in that way, you know, it's okay. But it wasn't. I didn't feel it was okay. I didn't know her as long yet. For me to be like, okay, you you tackle the uh, the raccoon, and, All right, so. and she and she actually was trying to convince me not to, in a way. But I didn't feel like she, she really. She w- liked watching you shovel the shit on the roof. Yeah, she did. She was like, "You do that," and <laughs> she was trying to see what kind of uh, partner you were going to be. Were yeah, you the, were you the kind of guy who would do that kind of work? Yeah, and she was also like, "It's easy to go out and get a gun and kill him. Any man can do that, but what man?" can every day go up and shovel shit from his roof right? to keep his wife from smelling that while they're <laughs> in bed at night making love. Exactly. That's the kind of man she wanted. That's a better man. That is a better that was, man. That was the kind of man I was for a while, and then I was like, she's telling me this, but maybe she's also the hidden narrative saying, actually, I'm telling you verbally not to kill the raccoon, but really what I want you to do is, is kill, kill the, the raccoon mm-hmm. and protect me. Yes, See, right? that's so hard. It's so hard to read those signs. Mm-hmm. Because that's there, right? I, I don't know. Because you t- you talk to me about this thing, like when you go on dates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like whether, like you know, what the expectation is. Like, do you hold the door? Do you pay for the meal? Do you want to protect them? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I might date a very liberated woman, a very progressive woman, a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um who would believe very strongly in women's rights and yep. believe very strongly in gender equality, but at the same time might say, you're the dude. 
Mm-hmm. You make the decision right now. Yep. So women are probably just as conflicted as we are. Yep. About these power relationships or, the, or these relationships of responsibility. Yep. Who's in charge of doing what? Yep. Right. So like... It's reassuring in a way, right? It is. To say, okay, you do that, you do that, now let's do something else. But if you have to stop and think through all these decisions, it can be exhausting. Right. So it's really hard. It's good to know like who does this, who does that. And also... It's good. It's it's good to feel empowered, but also taken care of. So right. So there was what was what we wanted to be, and then also what we wanted to be in another way, or what I was expected to be in one way and expected to be another way. At least in my mind, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like and like and and it was not explicit enough for me to be like, okay, do you really want me to and kill? You, and you can't ask, right? You can't really. I mean, maybe we should be able to ask. Maybe you should. Yeah. But it's hard, especially it's hard. early, early, early in a relationship. On, I need to show that in being a dad, I was new at being a dad. I was new at being a husband. I was like, holy shit, I'm a husband. I would I'm have done dad. the same thing you did. Yeah. Except I would have gotten a shotgun. Exactly. But the thing is you would have, so you would have finished the job because you were trained as like a shooter. Oh yeah. And you were going to be the fucking West Point. You were going to be a killer. I, I was at West Point a very brief time. Yep. I, I, spent, I had a small stint shooting an M16 machine gun. Holy shit. What does that feel like? Did you feel more like a man when you well, were I was only 18? So there was never any question of not being a man. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't at a thoughtful stage at that point. I just mm-hmm. thought men did this and women did that. Right. But it did feel pretty good. What does it feel like? It's like basically ejaculating lots of bullets, right? Well, you could say that. And I, and I, and I see how you would get to that metaphor because you're an intellectual and you've never really done anything real in your life. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I shot a BB gun once. It, it feels yeah. there's there's an an aesthetic to it. I didn't have that language then, uh-huh. but the way the bullets sounded coming out of the gun was what, a pleasing sound. What's it sound like? I mean, it's like a pop. You know, it's not not like in the movies. Yeah, I was like, I can't do it. Um, but also the gun, it's it's just a beautiful machine. It's yeah. a machine. If you took that gun out of the context of being yeah. an implement of destruction, yep. it's just a beautiful, well-made machine. They're hung in museums. Yeah. 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 So, so I got that. And they look like cocks. Well, yeah, they do. They are cocks, basically. <laughs> I've never seen a man who, who, who thinks as cockishly as you do. Um, it's true. But, you know, at that moment, like when I was there with the raccoons, I was like, it was sort of about sex in yeah. a way. It was like, I need to show my prowess yeah. to Allison. And I was, I actually remember feeling, I was like, hey, you know, if I do this successfully, I can't back down. Uh, I'm going to be more, you know, like more strong of a sexual image to her, a more of a, fatherly image to my son somehow and yeah. so there i was with my stupid little bb gun looking at those raccoons on the porch and i'm there with him I'm facing off with this raccoon and he doesn't give a shit about me he's like fuck you this was my turf and i'm there with the bb gun and i'm staring at him at the eyes and i'm like get, and i chased after him I'm like get the fuck out of here man i don't want to use this bb gun on you get the fuck out he doesn't back off <laughs> i shoot him point blank right in the chest he just like fuck you. He doesn't point even blank. He just blank. stands there while he you just put tuck- the gun in his chest. Yeah, and well, I mean, not point blank. Like I'd say, five feet away, and he doesn't move. And then he climbs up a tree and he just stays there. And then I chase after him more, and he just and nothing happens. He just climbs up the tree, but slowly. You had a very weak BB gun. Yeah, a weak BB gun, and I was like, this didn't weak, work at you, all. You, you, you weren't even weak. non-weak. You were weak. I was weak, and I was like, there was so a small part of me that, like, 
And I remember Allison telling me to come in as I was doing it. She needed to look out for you. She's afraid you were going to get hurt. Like, <laughs> give me that gun, Joel. <laughs> yeah. But I thought she, as she was saying that, she didn't really want me to. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 I, I couldn't he- tell. I, he- I hear I th- that. I thought she was... Her- it's so confusing. Right. I thought her role was to tell me not to, but, but my role was to do it. Yeah. Well, did you go in? And then I went in and we probably fucked, you know? So like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't remember anymore, but like, you know, it was like, I don't know, like what was, it was, I don't remember her being angry at me at all. An unsuccessful effort to murder a raccoon is always sexy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call foreplay. That was foreplay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I had the fake hunter badge, just like the fake robber. So how did this um, story end? It didn't. The raccoons just kept digging and fucking, and I <laughs> and kept picking up their shit. You just moved away. Until I moved. Yeah. Down here to you, and so we could do a podcast about it. Belt. Belt. Belt, a two-man memoir, is a podcast by Eric Wilson and Joel Topper. Dino Herman composed the music and did the sound design. For this episode, Raccoon, we interviewed Lori Gruen, William Griffin Professor of Philosophy at Wesleyan University. Subscribe to Belt, a two-man memoir, and listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. And on our website, belt.live. Copyright Joel Tauber and Eric Wilson. All rights reserved. Mm-hmm.